Hello, Dissectomaniacs. It is one half of the mega podcasting powers, the Macho Mandrew, here to tell you about my very exciting new web series called Who the F Are These Guys? That's EFF. You can find us on YouTube at Who the F Are These Guys? EFF. Our pilot premiered October 15th. And we also have an Indiegogo campaign that is linked there as well. We also have Twitter, which is Who the F Show, all one word. Again, EFF. We have a Facebook page, Who the F Are These Guys? And we are on Instagram at who the F are these guys, all one word. If you like the pilot and you want to throw a few bucks our way, we have a lot of really cool rewards ranging from social media shout outs to t-shirts to calendars to all kinds of things. Uh, it's a really great queer web series that's light and fun and relatable to everyone, but allows people who might feel marginalized to feel represented in a new way. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who, until fairly late in his life, was covered in a red, blue, and yellow body fur, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. And that's just such a lie to the point, like, I don't have any body hair. <laughs> Like, you it's just like, a thing I deal like, with. <laughs> you have a faint whisper of a, of a mustache. I mean, no, the mustache is legit. But, like, I literally, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times people have been like, oh, do you, like, wax your chest? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a tiny baby boy, that's all. I just, just nothing happens. <laughs> like, oh, are you... Are you like eighteen, or is there like something about this very yeah, child? I shave my face, and I uh, I go from like I'll have a gin and tonic to like I'll have one alcohol, please. <laughs> I'll have a cold milk and a dirty glass. <laughs> exactly. Was that Little Rascals? What shitty kid movie was that? Uh, oh, I don't know. It sounds like a Rugrats thing. No, it's a real. It's a real like live. At- anyway, it's not important. If you know the answer, tweet us at dissect the eighties. Uh, this week is the release of Thor Ragnarok, which I have some thoughts about, but I guess... We have you get... seen it? No, no, no. I, couldn't. Oh. It's, uh, I, <laughs> it I didn't know it actually I forgot. I... Uh, It comes out November 2nd when this podcast, the week that this podcast comes gotcha. out, which is... Yeah. I was like, did you get some um, kind of screener and you didn't tell me? Yes. I saw it two weeks, three weeks in advance. No. Uh, a movie I'm excited about, but the moment that I saw... creepy weird jeff goldblum in the trailer i knew what we were tying our episode into uh and so we we hit perhaps thor notwithstanding the peak of creepy weird jeff goldblum that's true earth girls are easy earth girls are easy (laughs) earth girls are easy so you know what that means we gotta go back we gotta go dissect the 80s it's your nail salon something's gotta be about your nail salon when the mega powers explode! I'm talking about the 8880s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott! Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Mega powers, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. That was hilarious. You can't plan that. Like, uh, there's a formula. Okay, I'll just go again. Nope. Oh, okay. It's not. So to tie in with Kate Blanchett Ragnarok. (laughs) Yes. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for that. I, I, I don't want to talk about this for like eight hours, but like, I know you disagree, but I have gotten to the point where I'm a little bit 
tired of the Marvel formula, and the ones that interest me are the ones that I can tell are going to be kind of twisted away from it. Even Guardians of the Galaxy 2 felt very Marvel formula-y. I've kind of fallen off the, like, see them all wagon. Yeah, no, definitely. I saw Civil War, because I, I love Captain America. He's, like, my number one dude. I'm really pumped for this, and I am super pumped for Black Panther in February. That new yeah, trailer dropped today, and it's awesome. I have I didn't watch it, but I intentionally didn't watch it, because I know I'm going to go see it, and I'll just enjoy it more if I just go in blind. But That's how I am with Stranger Things t- Season 2. I haven't wa- I watched the first trailer, and I was like, nope, we're done. That's it. That's it. The, the, thing, the thing I will say about Stranger Things is almost all of the campaign ads have been no new, ep- no new footage, but cut in reference to some 80s thing, which I've been really enjoying. They did a Friday the 13th trailer for Friday the 13th. Oh, awesome. That was the classic, like, one, two, three, you know, the original Friday the 13th trailer with, yeah. like, the bodies. Yeah. So they did that. They did, like, a Ghostbuster-y thing. They keep doing, like, very quintessentially 80s stuff, but it's just, like, recutting. The, I mean, there's probably new... You could probably cut the little pieces of new footage out of it and put a thing together, but overall, it's not like, oh, here's a bunch of plot. It's more like, here's some vignettes and also this, you know, quirky thing. But I'm with you. But I've been kind of fatigued. I have Marvel fatigue, I think, is how I would describe it. I think if I went to a doctor, they'd be like, look, you, you've you got the Marvel fatigue. Like, that Spider-Man Homecoming movie came out, and I just, like... I didn't. I just... I got no time. I, I saw, like, how many fucking Spider-Mans do we need? Just, like, how many? This, how many Spider-Mans? I think this is the sixth Spider-Man. Yeah, and this is the third different Spider-Man within the Spider-Man movies. And it's like, I just I just don't have the Spider-Man patience the for Spider-Man the third, it. if you will. <laughs> yeah, and I just, like, I just don't. And the other thing, I know everybody says I'm wrong about this, but that trailer is just, oh, Spider-Man is Tony Stark Jr., and he's like putting on a Tony Stark outfit and zip zap zapping a while all over the place, and I just I couldn't possibly care. So maybe I'll see it on the Blu-ray or whatever at home or when it's on Netflix. But I just I've kind of lost interest. So I was really excited to see the Thor trailer because the Thor trailer excited the hell out of me. It's weird and comedic and goofy, and it's directed by a very talented director who I like a lot of his movies. So I'm excited to see what that turns into. The only thing I don't love is that the first trailer felt kind of like a 90s high school you know made a bed on a girl movie like it literally exactly why i liked with, it but like i don't know to me that felt like too extreme of a departure like i understand like breaking <laughs> away but i was like this is not like 10 things i hate about thor like kate blanchett i, is I not- would be so here for that movie <laughs> i would so be here for 10 things i he hate about thor are you beautiful kidding? hair <laughs> i think it's because he's tired of wearing the wig Oh, I guess. Although it wasn't a wig in the first one. No, but after that, there's no way he was growing that and keeping that hair and maintaining and all the stuff you have to do to keep that quality of hair. Eh, it's just a, what's a lace front among friends? Um, but I, I, I have no problem with them getting goofy with it. Like I love the the fact that a Thor movie started with "I guess you're wondering how we got here." That was so good to me. That was like like oh, give I was me a not big a bowl fan. of that. But then Kate Blanchett <laughs> happened, and I was like, I'm here. You got me back. You know that bowl you have back in the kitchen that you mix, like, the big salad for the day in? I want my Thor movie in that bowl. And I'll just, <laughs> I'll just eat it at my leisure. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I'm excited for that. And also, uh, my, the best line in that trailer where he's like, I'm, we're friends from work, was apparently suggested on the day by a Make-A-Wish kid who was visiting the set, which is just, like, the coolest that thing. That kid has amazing. really good comedic timing. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, they were like the kid was, you know, visiting set and doing all that 
that entails. And he was like, oh, he should be excited because they're friends from work or something to that line. And they ended up putting it in the movie, which is just delightful. That warms my heart. Um, anyway, we should talk about this movie. Um, so Should we, though? <laughs> I was I, on board with this until like pretty late in it, I will say. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a valid critique. So we start off with some very cool space paintings. Uh, and there's a spaceship a flying through space. A lot of 80s digital effects. Yes, yes. And uh, some magic light. And uh, what looks like three different colored Grinches. Yes, that's really good is what it is. Here's the thing. This movie was either in the regular rotation on either HBO or Comedy Central in the early 90s, mid 90s. So I feel like I had seen this movie a bunch, but there's a bunch of things that I just do not recall. Like the fact that it's a musical for a bunch of part of it. Yeah, I didn't know it was in the loosest terms a musical. Well, it's it's weird. Like we've had this conversation a lot regarding musicals where – I personally think the dividing line is if the songs advance the plot. And so this kind of does. I don't know. Okay. Again, we always disagree because a musical song doesn't necessarily have to advance the plot. There are what I refer to as three o'clock numbers. We're like, it's three o'clock. Now let's sing a song about three o'clock. So that's a valid point. But I would say like in general, whether like if, if it's a thing can either be a musical or a movie with a bunch of music in it. And I think if, if any of the songs advance the plot, you go to musical territory. Like to me, Blues Brothers is absolutely a musical and people get crappy about this, but there's like three distinct points in that movie where the songs advance the plot of the film. Is Wasn't there a musical stage show of that in Universal? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they're still, they still drive the car around. Yeah. But okay. So using your criteria, what, <laughs> what movie doesn't count as a musical, but still has singing in it? Almost Famous. Okay. And any and any movie about like a fictional band that's like hardcore about the band, there are others that I'm not thinking of right off the top of my head. But I think like it's not it's like a gray area and I'm I'm like I'm willing to entertain differences, but to me, if any of your songs are like plot driven, then you become a musical versus a movie with a lot of music in it. Okay. That's a fair distinction. I I didn't think about almost famous, but that makes sense. Um So they're on this spaceship. We got a blue guy, a green guy, and a red guy that are played by uh not in order, Jeff Goldblum, Jim Carrey, and Damon Wayans, which is a, a really good cast of people to play space aliens, I would like to say. Yeah, that's crazy. So this was before In Living Color, right? Um, I think In Living Color was like very early 90s, so I want to say 91-ish. So this was like right before then. Yeah, double check me because I'm uh, not 100% okay. sure. So it says both Wayans and Carrey went to star in In Living Color a year later. Yeah, so the reason why this movie got to be a big deal is because Jim Carrey became, like, the biggest star in the world between 1992 and 1995, and people were like, what else has this guy been in, and this is one of them. And I will say, since we've covered this exact kind of movie before with that awful Adam Sandler movie, Going Overboard, is that what it's called? Going Overboard? Yeah. Like, this at least is... (laughs) That might be the... Is, I can't remember which one is the Goldie Hawn movie and which one is I the I think Adams. that's just Overboard. Okay. I think Goldie Hawn is just Overboard. Overboard, yeah. okay. Uh, in any case, uh, it's very similar where it's you can kind of see some flashes of young talent. But it is interesting that both Damon Wayans and Jim Carrey went to work together and, and were on in, in Living Color in much, much better roles than this. But they do work as like the, the goofball duo in this as well. It really works fairly well. I definitely feel like they were not like the three of them weren't friends 
I think Damon Wayans and Jim Carrey were like friends, and Jeff Goldblum was just there. Jeff Goldblum came off set and just chain smoked cigarettes and listened to like the Smiths or the Sex Pistols or something. Like I just don't think What's he this was a script about a about a dinosaur park. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you uh, get me you, out of uh, here. You, you got a you got a script about uh, di- dinosaurs. Di- dinosaurs. <laughs> Big pile of shit. <laughs> there's a there's two bands here in baltimore i've never heard either of their music but one of them is called one big pile of shit and the other one is called you bred raptors and oh i always God. like enjoyed the the goofy name yeah i, love I think that. they i think they i think they were like thrown together by for a, sh- like a Jurassic park special show yeah i think it was like like i don't think they're you know a touring band or anything but anyway uh so those are the three guys and they're on this alien ship we don't know what they've been doing in space or where they're going or what their supposed mission is. You say that as though we know things about them, though. Well, like, we later find out the, the name way, of their planet. The way you say that, you're like, so we don't know this, but we do <laughs> know this. Well, we, we know they want to meet babes. Okay. Sure. <laughs> this is what this movie is. You took your standard 1980s babe comedy, and I apologize if people don't like that word, but it is a very specific type of film I'm referring to here that is, like... Grossly misogynistic? Yes. <laughs> really, really terrible to women, and is, like, entirely for 14-year-old boys. Like, the whole point of it is, let's see how many women in bikinis we can put into this, and we'll do some, like, winky-winky sex jokes, and, like, bim-bam-boom, clap your hands, we call it a day, we got a movie. Now we've replaced those with car chases and call them Fast and the Furious. Yeah, exactly. We just appeal to a different part of 14-year-old boy brain. 14-year-old boy brain still rules cinema. I don't know if you guys know this, but unfortunately, <laughs> that is the truth. It does. So did you know what other actresses were considered for the Gina Davis role? No, do tell. So they really wanted a big box office name. So they asked the likes of Madonna, Molly Ringwald, Daryl Hannah, and Elizabeth Shue. Totally see Madonna having been in this movie. I think I could see Madonna more as the friend. I mean, that would have been the better casting, yes. But I could totally see a version of this movie where it's Madonna. The other three... Or two that you named, I don't know that I think no, make three. a whole... Molly like, Ringwald, Elizabeth Shue, and uh, Deborah and Daryl Hannah. Yeah, I'm not sure I buy any of them. I actually think Gina Davis is really good in this. I like, buy Elizabeth Shue. I mean, I buy Elizabeth Shue in pretty much anything, but I'm just, just saying. Like, the logical... I think they picked the best of those people to play a woman smitten by an alien. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Gina... I've, I've, like, forgot how good... Like, I just watched Beetlejuice the other day, which we need to cover on the show, I think, at some point, if we can. And I was like, Well, oh. Beetlejuice 2 is coming out in the next year or two, so it's a perfect time to do it. Theoretically, we're holding out. <laughs> I, like, I still like say we're that for that garbage Heather show. I still say if you're going to do a Beetlejuice sequel, you have to do the one that they tried to get Kevin Smith to write in, like, 1996, Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. I do like that. Or... Do the original script, and it's super dark and horrifying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this Junior Davis is like passed out asleep, and clearly is not intended to go to sleep. There's like crap all over her bed, and then this guy comes home, who I really recognize, and I forgot to look up. Can you? What is he from? Because he's definitely very familiar to me. Maybe a TV show. Oh my God, he's in Hocus Pocus. Aha! Okay, I knew I recognized. Him. I didn't he's the know, dad, he- right? I, yes, I, uh. (laughs) That's a quick trip down, by the way. Isn't Hocus Pocus like 93? Yeah. 
So five years after this, he was playing like warm, cuddly, dumbo, dum dum dad. That's that's a quick. <laughs> that usually only happens to actresses in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, I. I, I <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew broke everything. My phone fell and made a loud noise. <laughs> Um, also, I, I'm sorry. I think of this every time we do the podcast, and I, I've never mentioned it before. You do this with an open door behind you, and I'm so conditioned from horror movies that, like, one of the times we're doing this podcast, a murderer is going to be behind you, and it's going to be the worst thing ever. Yeah, no, just, I've, I definitely, you know. I've definitely felt that way before. <laughs> like, and I don't think it'd be better if you shut the door, because I would just be waiting for you to, like, sign off, and then you open the door and you get murdered. So, like, at least now yeah, I'd be like, like oh, look out! Hang on, my, I need to go get some water, and you'd watch me open the door and get stabbed. Yeah, yeah Jason is there. So I just like it's it's, it's we're recording this uh, in October, so I'm in full on Halloween mode, Halloween season. <laughs> we'll take, we should take a screen grab and post my setup. Yeah, yeah, just like oh boy, this is this is dangerous looking. Um, as you might, as, as as regular listeners might have figured out, when we do a lot of talking about not the movie, not the best movie in the universe. Okay, so, so anyway, it's it's uh it's hard to qualify because there's a lot of good things going on, but then there's a lot of I don't know what's happening right now weirdness. Yes. And not in the fun way, in just a like I am confused. It feels like a movie that had two different directors and they cut the movie together after they both were done and were like whatever, good enough. Yeah, that feels accurate. So anyway, the dad from Hocus Pocus comes home, Gina Davis is asleep, and she wakes up when he gets into the house, and immediately you can tell this dude has been cheating on her, which is like, we're, we're it's five minutes into this movie and already I hate this guy, that's really quick. Yeah. So she's wearing a white dress and a veil, she's like, you're not supposed to see me in this before the wedding, and I was like, that's her wedding dress? <laughs> Are you serious? And I then- didn't, I didn't. It's just the veil. Turns out she was just wearing yeah, the veil. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah, God. Yeah. I was like, I did not read that as wedding dress. It's funny that you did. Well, because it was a white dress. Yeah, no, I get it. And I was like, oh, it's just her shapeless nightgown that just looks like a circus tent. <laughs> so she starts putting the moves on on this guy, and he immediately is like, ah, I, I got to play golf in the morning. I'm too tired. And if you're getting turned down for golf, no, it was MFA. It was surgery. Let's at least. Are you sure? Yeah, he said I have some kind of a surgery in the morning. Like, are you sure? Garbage dirt bag, but like that is a legitimate reason to not have sex. I wrote down golf. I don't know why you wrote down golf. It's definitely. Did I make this up? (laughs) Okay. Yes, it's hundred percent surgery. Is it like gallbladder surgery? And then I that sounds right, baby. (laughs) Yeah, I think actually, I think it is. I think it. I actually think it is gallbladder. Okay, because I wrote down golf, and I was very... I was like, if you're getting turned down for someone to play golf in the morning, DTMFA, okay? Get him out. Dump that mother effing a-hole. Get rid of him. Deal breaker. Yeah, that's a deal breaker, ladies. So she goes to her job in an amazing outfit. Everything about it is great. She's got those tiger-striped nails that look like the 90s soda cups. Yeah, the, like, swirlies. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of great Gina Davis and her friend Candy um, have a lot of them. Like only wear great outfits, but the shop she works at is called Curl Up and Die D Y E, and I yeah. love wordplay. 
And I love that as she enters, there's this old lady like walking her way out, and she holds the door. She's like, "I'm so sorry, Mister Appointment." And the lady's old lady's like, "That door's a real bitch." <laughs> yeah, just unfazed. She's my everything. So, so the other girls at the salon have like just the craziest nails. They're like 18 feet long. They look like that guy from the Guinness Book of World Records, except they're like plastic and multicolored. It's really <laughs> kind of like, horrifying. It's like a weird uh, Freddy Krueger situation going. But like fierce. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so she pours her heart out to her friend and is like, all right, he, uh, he won't. It's been two weeks since we had sex. He won't touch me and blah, 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 blah. And I think he wants another woman. And then the best friend is like, oh, we'll just make you another woman. And she turns on this computer. I love everything best. about it. <laughs> She's like tapping the keys and it's like. Now she has short hair. Now she has blonde hair. And she's like, oh, and we'll give you blue contacts. And they hit a button and these like horrifying glowing blue circles go over her eyes. Because it's like MS Paint. It's like they clicked (laughs) the button, this paint in MS Paint on her eyes. So it's not a human color. It's just a flat blue. It is so horrifying. Uh, It it reminds me of in Clueless when Cher is picking out her outfits in the morning. And there's, it's like the the really big white plastic Apple computer that's like click click bleep, click click yeah. bleep, and it's like yeah. swiping through outfits for her. Yeah, it's pretty delightful. Uh, and also, not for nothing, but a full makeover a month before your wedding is a bold choice. Uh, it is. Although a friend of mine literally got a pixie cut the day of her wedding. She had long hey. hair. Didn't tell anyone. She was like, I turned, I like... My husband, my husband looked down the aisle at me, and he, his face was like, "What? Oh, I like it, but what?" <laughs> yeah, that's a bold choice. That's a bold decision to make. But we uh, get even an amazing, month- an amazing song and dance routine. Well, we get like a perfect. This I think is the perfect distillation of an outfit montage, which is a standard movie trope. I don't know that there's a better outfit montage than this. Huh. The song is sung about her changeover. It's not just like, you know, there's always some real cheesy knockoff song. Like, they're like, we want it to sound like, you know, this band, but it not be that band. And then the lyrics are kind of about changes. This is the definitively like, Gina Davis getting a makeover. Like, it's lyrics about what's happening to her as That's she scrolls point. through outfits. And they're like... It's, you know, sexy S&M woman. She slaps a whip and then it's like, you know, police woman or whatever. And they just like roll through all these outfits of her. It is, it is, a, it is very fun. Of, of like, It feels like Halloween costume shopping montage. Yes, absolutely. It does. Um, and she really does look totally different when they put her in the outfit and the wig and she's got like lingerie oh, on. She waiting super for the... does. I, I was, yeah. A, I was like, why wouldn't they just give her a wig in the first place? Like you work in a hair salon. I'm sure there's a wig in there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was wondering, has Gina Davis... I was like, I don't think I've ever seen Gina Davis in not, like, brunette redhead hair. Yeah, no, I haven't either. Um, And then she's, like, flipping through this book about how to get your man excited about you, and it says, put perfume on a light bulb, and I'm instantly like, that's really dangerous. Why is that advice in a book? Maybe it meant, like, a spritz or a sprinkle? I still feel like you shouldn't put moisture on a bulb. Like, it's glass that's very hot. Yeah, that's the idea. It'll heat and dissipate into the room. Yeah, but you're not supposed to get hot things made of glass wet. <laughs> they blow up. 
I, I, well, again, I think a small spritz, but you missed the important thing, which said you needed sensual oil. And did you see what she had on the table? Was it cooking oil? I did it not. It was Wesson cooking oil. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that joke. All right. Uh, she also, she also, when the light bulb does catch fire, attempts to put it out with a canister of whipped cream, which, like, the, the best works. friend character, well, it does, but it would also smell like death. The best friend oh, character, yeah, hot, hot, unwhipped cream. Like, get out of here with that. Um, the best friend character is really kind of super dumb, like written to be a total dingus, like basically barely able to function. And Gina Davis acts that dumb in this scene. Yeah, it's very, it's a weird turn for her because nothing before and nothing later will be the same about that. Right. So this dude brings another woman home and she's hiding in the closet and he's like, I'll be right back. And he goes into the other room and some shenanigans happen. And Gina Davis ends up popping out to surprise him, except oops, it's the woman he's brought home to cheat on her with in their bed together. What? Like what dude in your own home? Have you you no shame? Scumbag. Get a shitty hotel. Like the disgusting blob that you are. Or, I don't know, you're a doctor and rich literally anywhere. <laughs> but here's, here's, here's my biggest problem with this scene. He goes into the bedroom, and he comes out wearing, like, scrubs and, like, a comically oversized stethoscope. And he's like, doctor loves you. This stethoscope is Groot-sized. Like, Andre the Giant would look comical with this thing. It's the do- why is that? A th- why is that it's is your sexy gag, doctor? Really. But, like, why is that part of your sexy doctor out? Put your regular fucking stethoscope on, you dingus. Like, <laughs> what great. are you doing? It's 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 a carrot top joke. <laughs> but we do get another one later, and I was 100% here for it. We'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she, she gets mad at him, obviously, and starts going after him. And then she pops a cork, a champagne cork at him. And I would normally say that's a very dangerous thing to advocate in this movie, but I don't think it's quite as dangerous as putting the perfume on the light bulb. So it seems like it's fine. Or anything else she does in the song she sings after he leaves. Yeah. yeah she does is, some like she devil level destruction on a house. She still lives in. I didn't get it. And, and doesn't appear to like, it appears to be all his stuff. Pretty much. Yeah. But like, I mean, let me rephrase. It appears to be like his house that she's a guest in, and not their house. I thought it was their house. Okay, I didn't. I got the house is decorated like bachelor pad, doctor douche, and not like couples. Okay, fair enough. There's a next door neighbor that's really nosy, and they have her like leaning out the window with one of those little kid radar dish hearing cannon things, which is delightful. She looks like a Far Side cartoon. Oh, man, that's so good. The beehive hairdo and everything. <laughs> yeah, she's got a tall-ass beehive, glasses, and a listening radio. And so he drives away. She's cursing him out. And the old lady, like, has her thing and gets, like, blasted by this, the over, uh, blasted by the sound. The Gina, of Gina the Davis yelling at her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Gina Davis goes inside and starts singing a song. She dumps champagne into the fish tank, which that's I was like, oh, the fish are all going to die. Fish. Well, no, I thought they were all going to be dead. And then it was like, no, no, it will just like, you know, casual fish. I guess they're all drunk fish. Yeah. Why not? But she, 
her outfit for this whole scene, this like seduction and song scene, is amazing. It's this like light pink, like corset lingerie with garter belt. It's a full outfit with the blonde wig, and she genuinely looks like you wouldn't think that was Gina Davis upon first inspection of the scene. No, absolutely not. There's also a flashback where he's grilling by the pool and talking to his doctor friends, and like everybody's yucking it up. And they have a charcoal grill. The wheels are two and a quarter inches from the lip of a pool. Like, who set this grill up? What madman was like, you know what I want to do? I want to be on the most slippery surface next to a body of water with the food for the party. That seems like a great idea. That's what I want. And then, of course, it goes in the pool, and he gets angry at Gina Davis and falls in. But it's the pre-cell phone era, so you don't have to worry about, like, a thousand dollar device. Every time I had that thought. I was like, (laughs) oh, God, his phone. (laughs) Because, like, I'll be honest... In the in the in the days where it didn't cost someone a thousand dollars to replace going into a pool, kind of an okay thing. We our official stance on pranks is that we don't support <laughs> pranks. But yeah, yeah. But like knocking your buddy into the pool, assuming he's not wearing like a tuxedo at his wedding, in the pre cell phone era, seems like fine. Like you're at a pool party, right? You know, it's not like yeah. it's not like you, you don't you don't often go near a pool with no intention of getting into the pool at all. You know, like it's it's a pretty minor prank. I would agree with that. But so Gina goes on a she devil rampage and puts a box of cigars into the VCR. She takes a golf club to his like cologne and glass shelves. She throws his prize his like prized football into the fireplace no she puts the football into a microwave oh football goes in the microwave a picture a a record goes into the yes thing a pocket watch goes into the garbage disposal and then it ends with her setting up two skis in front of an ancient computer and rolling a bowling ball into their prenup it's also weird because the hair salon has a much nicer computer than the doctor does yeah that's true although i guess like a home computer versus a because their their home computer was more the black that's and true. green. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I I don't know what you would I whatever the opposite of a fixing stuff up montage, which is like an eighty staple. That's what this is. It's a, a destructive breaking montage. stuff down. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a a f- television program narrated by Robin Leach where he's like, "Inner beauty is for losers. Check out these hot babes." And then it turns out it's not Gina Davis watching, but the aliens are, and they're like, "I want to see those Earth babes." And so they have like a scuffle and then smash into the controls of the spaceship, which starts plummeting to Earth. And we didn't touch on it yet, but the interior design and, frankly, exterior design of the spaceship is straight out of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And I'm okay with it. It looks great. Yeah, no, I totally, totally loved it. I thought it was awesome. It was really, really cool design. So they crash into Gina Davis's pool after this big fight. And she goes out to see what's going on. And climbs into the pool and starts swimming and she smashes her head on the viewing window of this pool because she thinks like, it's a she thinks this the ufo is an, a figment of her imagination yeah so she's yeah. just gonna swim through it and then she hits her head and then there's a really clever workaround um for there's a really clever workaround for why the model ship looks so small and the people aren't so they like they stand on a platform inside the ship and then they grow extra big and then you see an actual sized human climb out the top of it which is a re- I think is a really smart way to write that into your script of like that's why this is, looks like this 
It is, but later when they're working on the ship with wrenches and stuff and drying it out with hair dryers and everything, they it doesn't appear to be the wrong scale. What do you mean? Like, it seems like it's the right scale ship for the size person that they are. Exterior-wise, anyway. Exterior, sure. Okay. So, they have, like, a whole conversation in the ship of, like, trying to figure out what's happening and who's who's who and what's going on. And she eventually is like, all right, look, I'm going to invite you guys to my house and make you something to eat. So, they do their Mario Magic Mushroom Grow and climb out of the ship. And the old lady is, like, nosily watching all this next door, which is really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and her first thought is, I should drain the pool to get your to get your ship out. And I was like, that's weird, but okay. It would have been better if she also wanted to like fill it up with rice. Oh my god, I like that. <laughs> Although I like had to dry it out. I guess like electronics getting wet and still being usable is kind of new at that. Like it's not really a thing at that point, right? No, no. Her the her analog for it is a razor, I believe. Yes. Um. And one of the things she said she could feed them is a Pop-Tart, all natural. And I was like, all natural Pop-Tarts? I don't even know if those are a thing today. And then we get not a song, but it is a very musical montage of all three aliens sort of exploring and understanding what Earth is. And Gina Davis calls her pool guy to come. Mostly through appliances. It's mostly through appliances that they learn what Earth is. Like, if we're being honest here. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, banging on stuff and, like, ring it, playing the water glasses. It, they're basically doing Stomp and the Blue Man Group, I believe. Yes, uh, that, that, yes, that is 100% what's happening. She calls the pool guy. Sorry to step on that there. And uh, he shows up, and he's a classic California surfer. Played by Michael McKeon, by the way. What, is, what would I know him from? Uh, this is Spinal Tap. I believe he does a bunch of voices on The Simpsons. He's in the Rob Reiner Club, like a lot of his movies. Oh. On Better Call Saul right now, he's playing the brother. I'm unfamiliar with that one. Um, let me take a look at what he's done real quick, see if anything jumps out. Oh, he was in Best in Show? Yeah, he's in all of the, like, Rob Reiner spoofy stuff. Very nice. Um, so he shows up and is like, what's that in your pool? And she's like, it's my pool patio. And she's covered, she's covered the, the spaceship with towels and is just yes. laying on it. Like nothing's weird about this. Yeah. It's delightful. She, she's using it like a barca lounger. But I also realized that their ship is pretty big for the pool and it didn't seem to have displaced any water. <laughs> that is extremely true because it sinks all the way to the bottom of this pool i was like why was this yard not a little flooded by this there should have been a gag where the neighbor got like smacked with water over the fence and like knocked her over it should have been like her it should have been crash in the water big old splash out cut to the neighbor with her big old radio thing and her headphones looking up being like "Uh uh-oh and then water splash Yes. Also, we I didn't mention this when you were talking about it, but th- in the montage of them trying to figure out Earth stuff, it cuts to this cool interior shot of Gina Davis's fridge, though basically every shot from every appliance on the show Good Eats, if you're familiar with it, where like the camera is in the is in the appliance. Um That is a Alton- niche reference <laughs> and I'm okay with it. I mean, it's a pretty popular cook it's a popular enough cooking show that it's being resurrected as an internet uh Oh, cool. Television program, so it seems fine. Uh, we also missed th- 
discussing how the uh, aliens, which again are full body fursuits except for their face, when they get out of the spaceship and have to get out of the pool, they're trying so hard to not touch any water. And not fall. There is a moment where Jim Carrey doesn't look like he's going to make it. He <laughs> they hop they hop like one footed to the bank of the pool. So it's about maybe three and a half feet. It's not a particularly far distance, but there's definitely a moment where his foot lands on the pool deck and it's not quite steady. And he has this flash of fear in his face. And then he steadies himself and he's fine. But it's one of those little micro moments that are like, oh, that should have been edited out of the movie. Like you should have oh, done that's a cutaway. Acting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, also, um, but anyway, I don't think I finished my thought. When they cut to the inside of the fridge, her fridge rack, the stuff where you put the food and whatever is goes in your fridge, yeah. is circular, so you can like spin it, which seems cool. Oh, I didn't notice you'd that. Lose, you'd lose so much fridge real estate, like all those corners that are perfect for like shoving a jar of pickles in or whatever that you like don't need to access very often. Gone. None of that. No pickles in the corner. I'm very oh, concerned true. about refrigerated Although, real estate. Although I would really appreciate a lazy Susan. Well, that's what it is. I was recent. I was putting a bunch of stuff in my fridge the other day, and I was like, "Ugh, I'm gonna stack things in the back, and I'm gonna have to like rearrange shit to get things out of my fridge." But a lazy <laughs> Susan would have handled all of that. <laughs> well, you need Gina Davis's '50s fridge, obviously. Also, they have a montage yeah. of them learning. We've said "also" about 28 times in the last minute and a half. Um, I always say "also" a lot. They're they're learning English by watching television, and it's a cool montage. But there's a clip from an old movie that I I don't know the movie. It's clearly from the 50s or 60s, where the guy's like, "You're tearing me apart." I thought it was Marlon Brando. Was it? I I didn't. I like heard it and was writing it down and didn't quite. It could have been Brando, but later. Jim Carrey's character repeats it because that's what they do. They can mimic things that they hear, includes noises as well as voices. But that's like the most famous line in the room. The yeah. worst, like one of the most famous. There's a 0% chance Tommy Wiseau didn't steal that from either this movie or the perhaps Brando movie, that the other one. And I had not realized that that was just pulled from something don't else. don't tell him that. Well, no. I, I, I His... his scene is clearly him like basically covering it like a cover song he has the same facial features he does the same look on his face the same thing with his hands like it's him doing his cover of that scene yeah but i feel like he's the kind isn't he the kind of crazy where like if you implied that at all he would be like no you're an idiot you don't understand anything I don't know. He ta- every time I read an interview with him, he talks and talks and talks about how much better movies were in the like long ago times. Because I think he's secretly like sixty. Okay. Yeah. Secretly. Anyway. Hmm. Secretly. He he tells people like by his at the age that he claims to be is like twenty. I don't know his real age, but the age he claims to be is like in his forties now. Now, like okay. fifteen years after the room, he claims to be in his forties. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I just got the book, The Disaster Artist, and I've been reading it. I got it from the library, and there's that movie looks interesting. I was, yeah, I'm excited for it actually. But there's a bit in the book where he mentions like he found out Tommy's real age, and he doesn't disclose it, which I'm like, ah, you son of a bitch. It should have been Tommy Wiseau's real age is, and then a black bar, like redacted. Yeah, yeah exactly. So Gina Davis is like, okay, these guys have to pass for human. We got to get rid of this fur. She gets a call from her doctor ex-fiance who's like i love you and i want to come by and they show him talking on the phone and he has like 
maybe three carnations wrapped in a newspaper as though that's what he's going to do to win her back. And I was like, if I knew you were that rich and you cheated on me and you came back with those carnations, you can get out, sir. I wouldn't even open the door all the way. I would see that in the people and I would open it with the chain still attached and I would be like, goodbye, Ted. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But here's my, sir. (laughs) But, but here's the bigger problem. The aliens have fur and you're just like, I don't know. Let's just take all that off. That seems really dangerous. You don't know if their bodies can handle not being fur covered. You also don't know what their bodies look like under there. Right. Yeah, that's true. They could have actually, like, they should have been yellow, red, and blue, because the color of your fur is reflective of the skin underneath, from what I understand from biology. Except polar bears, I think. Well, that was part of the reason I was making that claim. I think that they have a sort of paler skin tone than their brown and black bear counterparts. Yeah, Am I just well, wrong I would, about animal? I could be totally... I, would, I am not a b- 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 biologist. We do not claim to be scientists in any way. <laughs> this is not a scientific program, in case you weren't aware. What we should, what it should have been was, like... They should have been, like, shaved down and been, like, stick figures. Like, their whole yeah, body was, yeah, like, yeah, exactly, mostly fur exactly. with, like, toothpicks. Yeah. So she takes him to the salon, and she explains to the friend, like, oh, they're aliens, da 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 And the friend eventually is like, fine, I'll take care of this. You go. And then... Gina Davis comes back and she's like, all right, time for the reveal. And they, she's like, I gave this one a surfer look and out walks like Jim Carrey, blonde hair in a tank top, like looking surfery. And then the other one is like, uh, she's like, and this one's incredible. And she pulls out Damon Wayans and then he mimics her voice being like, oh my God, you're black. And I was like, well, that's an interesting way to take I, this. And by I was, interesting, I mean the shittiest. I was like, wait, wait, no, what? No, why? Yeah. Also, it's telling that the only not-white person in this movie is a goddamn space alien. Oh my god, he is the only non-white person. Yes, and he is a goddamn space alien. This movie takes place in Los Angeles, which is home to a myriad of human beings of all shapes, sizes, and colors. And the only non-white person in this movie is an actual space alien. Um. But then we get the big reveal, and out of the middle canister walks... A very sexy Jeff Goldblum. Okay. I mean, the people who fawn over Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm with the tank th- with the, the shirt unbuttoned, like doing the pose. I'll, I'll give those okay, people. I'll those people that. should see this Goldblum because this Goldblum is way sexier than that Goldblum. My problem is that. Wait, this is what your problem is, and I'm gonna I'm gonna rip this off like a bandaid because we've been dancing around it for for forty some odd minutes now. The real reason we're doing this movie is because you have the hottest hot take about Jeff Goldblum of all time, and I was waiting for the moment to spring it on you because I want you to reveal this hot take in front of me and all the listeners out there so that you can get your volley of tweets because i need you i need you to say it now in public on the air i just generally outside of independence day and jurassic park the first one i generally find jeff goldblum to be a bad actor (laughs) come at me bros if you're gonna put any pr long enough to come at me in in your chuck taylor's Somebody with a tattoo of Jeff Goldblum in doing the, that recline from Jurassic Park. Yes, yes, is gonna come whip your ass. So, like, I realized that in the eighties, Jeff Goldblum's face is very, very skinny. 
but his eyes are very, very big. Um, and they might still be that way in Jurassic Park, but he wears those tinted glasses the whole time, so it's it's harder to notice. But I find, like, neck down, I'm on board. Neck up, I'm a little weirded out. <laughs> he's just very cut, is all I'm trying to say. He's, he's, oh, he's, he's super looking cut. very good. He's just one of those actors that, like, when he works, he works. And when he doesn't, get away from me, you're creepy. <laughs> so, he comes out of this tank and they're like oh my god it's sexy jeff goldblum i know what we need to do it's time to Gina party davis essentially does that scene in the mask where her jaw hits the floor and her tongue rolls out like a red carpet <laughs> yeah that's, that's gina davis yeah it is definitely lust at first sight uh later in the movie we find out it's more than that but right now it's at least lust oh um, we missed my favorite line in the whole movie i'm so dumb um she goes out. She co- she brings the aliens into the salon and goes to her friend, and is like, "Oh my god, I have space aliens here, and we have to take care of them." And some woman go like, who's just in the salon because apparently there's regular customers. Goes, "I'm sorry, what did you just say?" And Gina Davis goes, "Oh, nothing. I'm on drugs." And the woman goes, "Oh, okay." <laughs> My favorite line is right after this scene where they're in the car and Gina Davis says, I never thought this would happen to me. And her response, the best friend's response is, what, partying with three shaved Martians? (laughs) I love it. Uh, But they're like, oh, it's time to go party. And it's like 5 p.m. It's full daylight at first. And then it gets dark really quick. Well, they do that, like, they, they have the shot of the car driving. She drives a really nice car, by the way. It's a cool uh, old Ford Mustang. And also, Michael McKeon has a really cool old wood-paneled uh, car as yeah, well. Yeah, they're awesome. Cool cars in this movie. But it's full daylight, and then they, like, cut down and have a quick conversation with, like, the three shaved Martins. Mar- Martins. The three shaved Martians. <laughs> <laughs> three shaved Martins. Steve, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Martin Scorsese. Yes. I would watch that movie. I would watch um, the hell out of that movie. And so they like pan up and it's Jeff Goldblum with like the wind whipping in his hair. Cause they're sitting on the top of the convertible, like not in the seat, but on top of it. And then it's like suddenly dusk and then they like cut over and cut away and suddenly it's dark. And I was like, that's more egregious than the tunnel in the Batman movie where it's like, everybody always points out. They're like, well, gee, it's broad daylight. And then they zip through this tunnel and suddenly it's pitch dark. It's like, which one? is that tunnel? Of the, the one with Bane. I don't, I don't remember that tunnel scene. Do you know the, the stock exchange bit in Dark Knight Returns? Oh, that stock exchange Rises? tunnel. Yes, yes. That's yes. So, so, they, so they have that big fight, and it's full daylight because the stock exchange is open, and then they drive through this tunnel, and it is like midnight. It's like a time portal. Never mind the, the fact tunnel- that any stock exchanges made that day would have been shut down, suspended, and not gone through because of yeah, no, a terrorist absolutely. attack. Yeah. As long as we're saying things out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did so you anyway, know what the uh, her best friend. Do you know what she's from? I don't. She plays the gym teacher in Clueless. Oh, nice. I assume she was like uh, in some horror franchise. Like she seemed like someone who would have been in a Friday the Thirteenth. No, she's or just a apparently nightmare. a really like big comedian of the eighties. Um, and so basically, <laughs> to put this in perspective, uh, she. So in nineteen eighty eight. She plays the fun, like, sassy, sex-positive best, best friend. In 1995, she plays the old, lesbian, ugly gym teacher. <laughs> I mean, we, we just talked about the Hocus Pocus guy. It's worse for women, obviously. Hollywood is a terrible place. Yeah. 
So Jim Carrey jumps from the convertible into the back of a Jeep after wooing four women by literally repeating their words back to them. And like, here's I don't here's think he's acting thing. in this movie. Well, I you're probably right there. The, we have talked a lot about how frustrating it is to have like shitty, dumb female characters, and that it doesn't it does a disservice to everybody. And and I'm not going to soapbox here about that whole thing. You know what team we're on, but. In this movie, there's a very interesting thing that happens shortly after this because they get to the club and the song that the woman is is singing is how she likes her men big and dumb. And it's really fabulous. Like, it's so delightful. Yeah, that's that a, she's I, just it's like, a fun song. Yeah. She's just, like, the lyrics are on and on about how she just wants them big and stupid and just able to please her sexually. Which I is, wish I could like, think of other lyrics, but, like, they were really funny. Yeah, if I can find the song, I will put it at the end of the episode. Um, anyway, at the club, the other great moment I like is this one party girl has these Amex uh, American Express earrings, like their credit cards. She's like, where'd you get those? She's like, oh, they're my dad's. Oh, God, I love it. <laughs> they're also giving out condoms at this club. Yeah, it's like, like an old 50s cigarette, cigarette girl. girl. Yeah, yeah. And there's just like a variety of styles and everyone's just like grabbing away. But I also like that the inside of this club is like rocking club beats and then outside on the patio it's just like light jazz piano no big deal mm-hmm. well i thought you were going to talk so, about the car in the parking lot that has a piano and a candelabra on it i missed that is it yeah. like on top of it i think it's like a That's- truck or something because they park their car and they're like there he is and jump out but they park next to a piano with a candelabra so i don't know if it's on a car or it's just in the parking lot for no reason but that's amazing maybe that's like what uh liberace drove (laughs) that sounds right it's powered by his playing yeah he liked both pianos and and candelabras it seems like right in his wheelhouse yeah uh so there's a there's like a dance fight happening inside and outside jeff goldblum comes up to the guy playing the piano and is like, scram, kid, I got it from here. And he plays just like beautiful jazz and Gina Davis gets all swoony. Somehow he knows how to play piano. There's a lot of like, somehow this is a thing. Because like, we don't know how alcohol would affect them. So maybe let's not pump them full of, full of liquor. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre that their first instinct with aliens is to remove their protective fur and then get them drunk and have sex with them. Jim Carrey at one point sticks his tongue into the bottom of a glass to get an ice cube and his tongue is like i don't know Kiss. 12 inches long it's way longer than gene simmons um <laughs> and immediately three women are like i'm going home with him no i'm going home with him and then a third one comes in and grabs his face and is like no i'm going home with him it's the best friend character yeah oh is it she's the one who grabs his face i, kn- I knew that was her making out with him later but i somehow missed that was her grabbing his face I no she grabs his face but later when they do, they're done making out, uh, and also you would think aliens would probably not know how to kiss in ways that human women would find satisfactory. One would guess. Um, so she like pulls away. They pull Jim Carrey off of her and they grab Damon Wayans, who successfully won his dance fight. And they're like, come on, we got to get out of here. And then they're all talking to her and like, what? What what was it like? What was it like? And she goes, I want to have his baby, which is like a big leap from a single makeout sesh. Although that is like a like a common jokey like oh he's so hot phrase yeah no I I, I get it 
Um, and the, the the thing that I really struck me is, and I know it's a dumb movie, and you know, obviously we can't have you know a real time movie, but people in eighties movies fall in love so fast. Like if this was a week long montage. Yeah, like if 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 there was a week where she was like helping them learn how to be human like and passing and she kind of like was falling for him over the course of a week, it would be fine. But she has known this guy for like 6 hours, not even. Yeah. And she's all over Jeff Goldblum. So she brings them home and then the doctor boyfriend comes in with a Julio Iglesias record, which is like a weird way to go to make up with people and a different it might be bouquet. Yeah. And he starts looking around for her, and he named all his fish after different cars. Like, one is Mercedes, and one because is Ben's. he's that kind of a-hole. Yeah, he's the worst nightmare person. Like, Gina Davis, you could do so much better than this. You could do Jeff Goldblum. You do Jeff yeah, Goldblum, actually. You do IRL. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. So, he calls the police, and he's like, hello, this is Dr. Gallagher. And I don't know if... This like is he fame? Is he a famous doctor? Did he like or did separate he just call some the conjoined that option? Did he separate some conjoined twins? Like, did he do a successful eye surgery on someone who got like you know shrapnel from a bomb? Like, who is this person and why is he able to tell the police like, oh, it's Doctor Gallagher? Like, was he reason of a tab with the cops? <laughs> He's like, come on down, guys. I said th- I think he calls the police a lot. It it definitely could be that. So the police show up and we. Well, she has a great, she has oh, a great excuse? cover. When, yes, where he's like, "Who the hell are these guys?" And she's like, "Oh, I won a contest with MTV. They're a famous band." That is a really great excuse for on the spot. Yes, and I was we, like, "Oh, that I believe that makes sense. They're weird. They're yeah. quirky. They're eccentric. They only have one name." Yeah. Uh huh. It's perfect, and we we rag on movies a lot for having bad excuses in the moment. So I just wanted to give props where it was due. Yeah, that's an impressive one. So the cops show up, and it's basically that scene. It feels like that scene in Parks and Rec, where all the cops are like, "Yeah, your basic domestic dispute, domestic dispute between husband and wife, real piece of work, real piece of work." Yeah, it's one of my favorite montages on Parks and Rec, where the cops are all simultaneously delivering the same line. It just keeps cutting between them, like for between each word. Oh, it's I love It's really it. great. Um, but also the police instantly listen to a woman and take the guy out of the house, which is a goddamn miracle, especially as we come to find out later how incompetent these two dinguses are. This is a miracle. Yeah, I was really happy about that because they show up and he's like, these people are invading my home. And June Davis goes, he actually doesn't live here anymore. And they're my guests. And they were like, okay, Dr. Gallagher, who can name drop himself on the police on the phone to the police just got carted out of his house because Gina Davis said he should leave. Carted out of his house and threatening to have his arm broken. Well, that just sounds like par for the course. Yeah. So he, he she has already thrown him out and been like, the wedding is off. And so when the police are dragging him away, he's like, the wedding's off, which is, you know, the shitty version of that, like, you can't fire me. I quit. It's like, no, dum-dum. First of all, that's stupid because you're getting rid of your severance. And second of all... She already, she already made this decision. This, you can't take the decision back and you can't decide it. it's your decision. Like it was yeah. my decision. Um, so Jeff Goldblum moves real fast in on Gina Davis, and apparently is also extremely well endowed because she's like, "Oh no, we can't. I couldn't possibly." And she's like, "Besides, what if our what our, our anatomy wouldn't even work?" Oh no, it would be fine. It seems like it would be just fine. And then cut to the weirdest sex scene i've ever seen in a movie well 
It's because we didn't talk about it, but they have magic happy touch. Yeah, that's right. We did skip that. That is unexplained and underutilized, like anything else that happens in an 80s movie. But before they have happy touch sex, which just sounds like a weird anime. Yes, it does. Weird sex that they have also has a lot of glitter in it, which seems like just a bad idea for two naked sweaty bodies. Before they have their weird magic happy touch sex, Gina Davis says, are you trying to make a pass at me? And I forgot that was a phrase that people used to say. And I've, where did, do you know where that came from? Like when people started, like the word pass to mean like trying to have sex with someone? No, but it's funny to me that like it didn't, it didn't occur to you to, that that was what it, like, that no, it I know didn't immediately register as like the, the phrase, like that doesn't, that phrase doesn't sound odd at all to my ears. I don't know, like make a pass at someone sounds like so old. Like that sounds like something out of like Bye Bye Birdie. I mean, like, you're not, you're not wrong. Yeah. Like an Archie comic, where, like he made a pass at her. Like that's what that feels like to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, so they do it, and there's a lot of glitter and weird nonsense. And, and I'm then, surprised there was no butt. Yeah, you would think Goldblum would have been like, like I won't do this picture unless <laughs> you see the, the gold butt. I refuse to put my butt away until it's been on camera. <laughs> yeah. Do you see this thing? Look at this thing. Um. She so she uh she has this bizarre amazing black and white alien dream where everyone in the neighborhood is a different alien monster and it's very much like they live where she yes. puts on the glasses and then she can see them all rest in peace but Roddy Piper it, it weirded me out because we had never seen aliens look like anything other than the Grinch that we'd seen before so all of a sudden yeah. it was like oh now aliens look like this and this. Well, I think they're supposed to look like the Wolfman in the movie that she's watching, but they definitely don't. They're definitely all sorts of like kind of creepy hints of creatures. Wolfman. Yeah, and there's a couple of like your classic gray aliens, you know, big eyes, oval or uh, you know, teardrop shaped head. But yeah, it is weird that there's just sun- suddenly a bunch of alien creatures. But my favorite is when the old lady next door like pops her head up. That's the one that reminded me of They Live, and I was like, oh god, they're all aliens. <laughs> I kind of loved it. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, but this is where uh, we got my favorite sight gag, and I have I have nothing but time for this sight gag, <laughs> where she the phone's ringing, and like she's just in a slow state, like running around in black and white, and the phone rings, and she runs towards the camera and reaches down off camera, and picks up what I think might be the biggest phone I've ever seen. Like it's the size of her. It's a five foot phone, easily. Yeah. And she's like, it's like, doesn't have a cord. I wish it had a cord. That would have been just like, like fingers to your mouth kiss if it still had a cord attached to it. But she's like, hello, Ted, where are you? And I just, it was so preposterous. I loved it. Meanwhile, Ted is in the room fooling around with an eight breasted alien. Eight. Yeah. Eight, eight feels right. Like the the correct number. Yeah. Um, so she wakes up from this weird dream and she's like. Oh, let me take like eight consecutive days worth of birth control at once. 99% sure that's not how birth control works. La- ladies, neither of us are doctors, nor are we qualified to speak on this. But please don't <laughs> nor take do we have, eight of nor your... Do, nor do we have any personal body equipment that would lend us to know anything about birth control. Yes. But I can say this with with all the sincerity that I can muster. Please don't take eight of your birth control pills simultaneously on just like a Tuesday because you had sex with Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> like in that specific instance where that Use has happened. Use your Jeff Goldblum birth control. 
Yeah, yeah. That's why I have these. And it yeah, cut to my giant birth control pill that is like the size of a pizza, and you have to He's like Jeff chew Goldblum, on it. and I'm not pregnant, and we're gonna keep it that way. <laughs> and it's like a it's like a tum where she takes a bite out of it. It's like the size of a pizza, but it's like yeah. calcium, like chewy, like, <laughs> and just chalky all over. And Goldblum just like, like winks and points at the camera, in, like side by side bathtubs doing the tandem bike. <laughs> And we're going to keep it that way. Goldblum's for when you absolutely, positively don't want to have Jeff Goldblum's baby. <laughs> we're going to so get sued dumb, one but of these I love days. That. <laughs> one of these days we're going to get... We should write and make that sketch and have like like somebody who doesn't look at all like Jeff Goldblum just wear the outfit from Jurassic Park <laughs> and people will get it. Yeah, do the glasses, do the hair. Yeah, Yeah, people will get it. They will. I mean, I just, I just used a like a herpes commercial to get Jeff Goldblum yeah, birth yeah. control. So yeah. we're we're really yes. aiming. We have the highest of highbrow comedy here on dissecting the eighties. <laughs> this is this is a very intellectual podcast. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that. NPR but, is picking if, us up. <laughs> uh, with us today on on our show is. Jeff Goldblum, who is pitching his latest product, uh, Jeff Goldblum Birth Control Pills. Uh, now, Jeff, this is specifically for women who have sex with you and no other men, right? You are so virile that you need to go into business for yourself and, and make your own pills. I'm Terry Gross. This has been Fresh Air. Um, so, she goes outside and they're like working on the spaceship and her neighbor is painting them yeah it's really delightful it's very cute um and she is like oh i'm gonna make you guys pancakes which is a really well put piece of character development because not a day ago well okay let me rephrase in a movie where this like with a movie that didn't take place in 28 hours would be a great <laughs> piece of character development because yesterday when she was in the kitchen making lunch for them when she was like oh here's your all-natural pop-tart she went to make pudding and was like oh add water Ugh, too much work and then today she's making pancakes from scratch so they're already causing personal growth for her mm-hmm. we gotta it's make it arc. seem like they're in love somehow yeah and exactly not just because they're married so she gets a phone call from the deadbeat boyfriend who's like, I need you to take care of me. And that's where I'm like, okay, you have gotten so many red flags. That is a red flag that you could, you could that see from taking space. That's the one. red plant factory of the red flag <laughs> like, factory. Like, come on, you need to take care of me. This guy sucks. And he doesn't even have sex with you. Get rid of him. He's the worst. Um, so Michael McKeon, character comes over and they're they got yeah, the ship up her and running pool guy can just show up whenever he wants into her backyard with a beer like, so what? i thought i thought that you're totally right for some reason in my head they had talked about like i need you to drain the pool and then come back and fill it but they definitely did not she says the water f- is feels funny so yeah there's like discussion about the water feeling funny or whatever so maybe the Im- implication was come back and refill it but that was never discussed but yeah he also doesn't come back not. with tools he just shows up with a beer in his hand yes and it's like hey but bros i will say that i want this michael mckeon character to be in every movie we do for the end of till the end of time oh, like god could you imagine putting this in like dr loomis is like michael michael myers has been here and he's like 
hey, bro, we just got to go to the beach, catch some tasty waves, a couple of brewskis, and some babes, and we'll be set, man. You don't what? know how much money I would pay to watch, <laughs> to watch him in his trench coat and bandage head and full suit on a surfboard winning the surf competition. Like there's, it's a blank check to how much money watch I would me. pay. Watch me hang ten, bros. Rip curl. <laughs> that was a tasty wave. But like, <laughs> so like he's out there surfing in the full getup, trench coat all. He like dress shoes, dress, dress shoes. shoes, everything. Wipes out, blitz back on the board. He does like a like a like a pu- fist pump cheer. The crowd is cheering for him. In the crowd is Michael Myers. <laughs> I knew you were going there. Yes. He gets crashed by another wave. Comes out of the water. Michael Myers is gone. It's just your imagination, Donald. Is it? Michael's in the water on a surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> It's more like baron a baron a baron. We're on fire. This is a really funny episode. I'm just gonna say it out loud. If there was an award show for the, the stupidest riffs on obscure references that could only land for like six dozen people, we would have so many awards. We would sweep. Oh. <laughs> oh. This is just our new sampler. <laughs> just, 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 just all Loomis. The Earth Girls are easy. It's a good sampler. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and wait, and Michael McKeon is watching this all happen from the beach too. Yeah, he's just he's just taking he it all Jamie in, and he's Curtis. like, "Whoa, yeah, yeah." <laughs> oh, I didn't. I've never seen surf like this in Haddonfield, Illinois. <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. Back to this movie, because we're an hour and 20 in, and we're going to talk longer than the movie was. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh. So, Jeff Goldblum goes in to tell, clearly to tell Gina Davis he's in love with her, and he hears her ask the question, I love you, or she's asking her her shitty fiancé, when was the last time you said, I love you, I need you, I'm crazy about you? But he just hears the end, so he thinks she's saying that to him. So he runs away from this movie for about 20 minutes. Yep, yep, yep. So they get to the beach, and... or they're no, sorry, they they're never make it. They trick you. They trick you. Well, they, I was, they, they, have a, they go to the beach in song only, because they're like, oh, what's the beach like? And then it cuts to the best friend character doing, like, uh, blondes are the best, and the blondes... It's a blondes concept. I'm a slutty blonde is basically what the song is. Yeah. Um, cut to they're at a gas station and a little kid points a fake gun at Damon Wayans. And I forgot fake guns didn't used to have orange tips. I I don't know when that happened, but I think it must have been around the time of Die Hard because that's like a major plot point in Die Hard. You know, the I shot a kid. Oh, right. 
So I think that the turnover was like right around this time where we finally were like, hey, it would probably be wise to make it look like children aren't playing with actual weapons. That's true. But immediately, this is like a literal Chekhov's gun where you're like, oh, this is about to cause a huge problem for these characters. Yep. And then, okay, uh, what's the guy's name? The the surfer dude, the actor's name? Michael McKeon. So he said, he basically, the, the, the flow of the scene is that he said, hey, I'll pick you up some babes right now. I know babes everywhere. Let's go to the beach. And they're like, okay. And so they go to the beach and goes, got to make a pit stop. Since I'm getting the gas, you guys should get the sandwiches and the beer. And I was like, A, in the 80s, this is not a fair trade-off. And B, they didn't ask to come to the beach with you. That's a, that is a thing that's like, we all agreed, hey, let's have a beach trip today. You know what? I'll yeah. pay for gas and you pay for snacks. Like, yeah. y- you don't spring that on. Like, hey, I'll take you to the beach and find you babes. Oh, by the way, buy me snacks and beer. No. No, no. Yeah. Not a fair trade. Not a fair trade. Although he does do all the driving, which you can't, you can't cut that out. It is his car, you know. He, he invited them. At least... At least I'm just saying in terms of the value betwixt sandwiches and beer vis-a-vis gasoline. Ten dollars of gas? Yeah, it was like the sandwich and beer probably didn't cost significant. You got to remember, this is pre-craft beer. We're drinking Bush Light. Well, I'm thinking three sandwiches and uh, maybe a, like a, tw- a case, like a 24-pack. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that would be equatable. It's, it's not – it's not it's, – it's close to ten bucks a head, I'm guessing, all told. But anyway uh, – they go in and they're like, "Hey, we need bread." And the guy immediately misinterprets that as money because Damon Wayans is carrying a pistol, and he starts just like handing them stuff. He's like, "Here, have some M and M's. Take candy. Do what? Please don't hurt me. Take everything." Uh, at this point, Lady Gaga drives into the movie in a pink Corvette. I thought this was Amanda Lepore. I don't think I know who that is. She's like a, a big. In it the- sounds like a porn star. I don't know that she's. I maybe she's done porn. I'm not sure. I know she's a she's a, a kind of a gay gay cultural icon. She's big into plastic surgery and such. Well, it looks like Lady Gaga. <laughs> it's it's a pink Corvette and Our her outfit is ridiculous. Gaga. And she's wearing these ridiculous sunglasses. And she starts like talking to Damon Wayans and Jim Carrey, who need to get out of the way. And instead, they smash into her car and then smash into the gas station and wreak all kinds of havoc before driving away. All set to the B-52s, which is just, like, the perfect song choice. Mm-hmm. Oh, and at this point, Jim Carrey is now wearing boob glasses. Because, sure. Well, look, we had gone a bunch of minutes without being misogynistic at all, so we had to make up for that. That's true. Uh, there's also a, I, what I think is too long of a sequence. Like, I was actively not entertained by the fact that those two don't know how to drive. Yeah, I didn't... It seems stupid, especially with, like, two guys who are capable of handling a spaceship, like, that they couldn't intuitively understand how to how to operate a car. That they, Earlier, they were driving a spaceship. And it's also, I think, too late in the movie for this. Like, yes. this needs to be one of the first things that happens when they crash land on Earth. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, and it's this, like, really, really long sequence of, like, driving the wrong way on the highway and falling out of the car and, like, doing driving wacky with stunts. with feet. Yeah, and then eventually they end up and they leap off the highway and it's like this really tight shot and they start zooming out and I'm like, I bet they're in the middle of Randy's Donut. And sure enough, right in the middle of Randy's Donut. Oh, you thought they were on the beach? I was like, oh, they're going to be on the beach now. That would have been much more clever Mm -hmm. if it was like they landed on the surf contest and people were like, whoa, bodacious, dude. Exactly, exactly. 
Those were some sick car stunts, brah. You almost sound like Pound it out. What? You're very close to Voldemort. You're Donald. Voldemort. You're Donald Lumort. Pleasant. It's, you're I'm Voldemort. Lumort. I'm Lumort. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Loomis and Voldemort are very close, as is Dumbledore. They're I'm, all in the same like, oh, yeah. in the same neighborhood. That's true. Harry yeah. Potter, Michael, Harry. <laughs> You're a stab wizard, Harry. <laughs> so uh, Jeff Goldblum decides it's time to come back into the movie and runs up uh, as the policemen are filing the report. And uh, the pool guy is calling Gina Davis to say, hey, your friends. There's no reason for him to call Gina Davis. I'm just going to say that out loud right now. He just calls Gina Davis for no reason to be like, hey, your friends. Uh, I took him to the they- beach. They stole his car. But he's, that's not, doesn't seem like, that doesn't seem like why he called her. Oh, I thought he was just slow in getting to it because he's a major burnout. Oh, I guess maybe. Um, So Jeff Goldblum shows up and is like, oh, and so he's telling Gina Davis where he is and they stole his car. And uh, the woman whose car that we've referred to as Lady Gaga and Amanda Lepore, her name is actually Angeline. It's apparently, she's apparently a singer of some kind. Um, Could have fooled me. Yeah, I didn't, I think I couldn't tell her apart. Uh, decides that those two are the men who robbed her, even though uh, Jim Carrey and Jeff Goldblum not alike. Damon no, Wayans, not even a little bit. Damon Wayans and Jeff Goldblum absolutely not alike. But like no. Jim Carrey and Jeff and Damon and uh, Jeff Goldblum, no. But the police tackle it because the police go, "Are you sure?" And she says, "I don't know." And they're like, "Good enough for me. Tackle him." Yeah, this is when we finally get the cops being the cops that you expect in a bad movie like this. Yeah. So Gina Davis shows up and is like, you have to let him go then or take me too. And they're like, you didn't do anything wrong. So she picks up the bumper that they knocked off a car and smashes the police car with it. And it's like, now I did. Yeah, it's pretty wonderful. And it, and I wish she smashed it a little harder, but it's still pretty delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in the cop car is an air freshener that says tight butts drive me nuts. God, I hate everyone in this movie. Like, that is so inappropriate. Like, the police station should have many words to say about this. But uh, let me Decent tee this human up for beings you. should have should have many things to say. <laughs> Sir, let me tee this next one up for you, if you please. If you uh, paging <sighs> Andrew to the on deck circle, if you if you please would join us uh, in the on deck circle. Play his walk in music, Maestro. Uh, it's Jeff just a Goldblum. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis in the back of this cop car, and she's like, hey, give them the love touch, and I'll hit on them, and we'll get our way out of this. And he's like, you want to have sex with them? She's like, no, I'm going to, like, feminine wiles my... It's a whole thing to explain, but just do <laughs> here it. On and, Earth, like, we'll be fine. Here on Earth, we can seduce our way out of things and not follow yeah. through. So he touches the first cop on the neck, and wouldn't you know it... He's gay. And I'm talking... <laughs> and he talks like caps. this... Yeah, I'm talking all caps, rainbow glitter, marquee lights, gay, like painful, like Hollywood in mannequin, painful. There was not enough surface area on my eyeball for the level of eye roll I needed. (laughs) But like the difference is the character of Hollywood is allowed to be a person. Right? Like, he has a whole character beyond just the fact that he is gay. It sort is of. still offensive. <laughs> and I'm not, I, believe me, I'm not like, I'm not going to the mat for, for Hollywood. I'm just saying, like, 
that character has like some stuff to do in that movie that's important to the plot, and he does things that aren't just like, for lack of a better word, flounce around, right? Yeah. These cops are the worst example of just pure shitty stereotype nonsense. Mm-hmm. They fall in love instantly. They're like limp-wristed in the back seat, cuddled, talking about moving in together. And I was like, I just can't. I can't. I'm so mad that there was a time when that was okay. Like yeah, that was like so sure, good enough. Yeah, and like. It's I, clearly there's supposed to be some level of the writer thinks it's clever. Like these two have had this like unrequited thing for each other, but it's, it doesn't play that way at all. It's it never plays been established. the worst way. Right. If it, it, if it had been the, like hinted at before and cause th- these are the same cops we've seen like twice now, three, two or three yeah. times now, like yeah. hint at it, build yes. to this. If you had like two little moments where like the one left his hand and the other one's shoulder a little too long and they both kind of looked at it and like pulled away, like built set this up for me and I'll let you have it. But you can't just be like, oh, and now they're fabulous and they're like the shittiest gay stereotypes possible. Yeah, that's garbage. Fuck you, movie. That's Fuck garbage. Fuck you, movie. <laughs> so they go to the hospital and meanwhile, Doctor Love has discovered that there's these guys have two hearts and so he's like, oh, I'm gonna be the richest man in the world. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna. Be on the cover of Time Magazine on the Today Show and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum kidnap a nurse and get her to take off her clothes. It's the nurse who tried to, who her her fiance brought home. See, I thought it was, but she doesn't acknowledge that at all. And yeah, I, I wasn't sure. She says, I don't want to be involved in your kinky sex games, but I guess that was just, I, I, I guess I just missed it. I assumed that that was her talking about it. But my big problem with this is she makes this woman strip, and it's, like, very gross. Like, they shoot it in a very gross, male-gazy way. But Gina Davis steals her outfit, but not her nurse hat. No, I mean, Gina Davis already has, like, a headband on, so. No, but Gina Davis wears a doctor, like, operating room scrubs hat. Mm-hmm. Maybe because they're going into an operating room? But she could have, like, it wouldn't. She th- take the outfit from the ner- like ha- like this is a very standard thing. You take their whole outfit, not just like hey, a let piece. her keep the hat. Where did the hat come from? I, I don't didn't know. Like Where it. did Jeff Goldblum's outfit come from? Yeah, well, just scrubs. Um, so they go into the the operating room where he's got these two guys laid out on a table and is like getting ready to, I guess, dissect them or something. It doesn't like, really make sense. He gave them a a syringe full of something that yeah, didn't look good. But then they're both like totally awake. It, they were like, guys, we got ten, we got five minutes left. Let's just wave a lot of hands. Come on. Also, I think this is the first movie we've done that has had said the word dissect in it. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, let's into our fourth season before that happened. Um, so they use some trickery to convince him that not All only of a sudden they can control technology. I don't think it's that they control technology. I think they can just make the sounds. Well, no, it looked like they were messing with the lights and stuff i know but like most of it was sound based so it was very confusing for me yeah that's true and so he he like panics and runs out of the hospital they give him a nervous breakdown which he is a monster so whatever you get what you i'm all right with it yeah yeah so they run out of the hospital and he like comes chasing after and he's like look i've changed let's go to vegas and have a quickie wedding you know let's do this let's let's get after married she's right now. piled the aliens into the back of his car and she's like get down i'll hide you yeah 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 and he doesn't notice them on the whole drive home yeah it's insane and then they like 
jump out of the back of the car without anyone noticing so they can like run to their spaceship and get there before they do it's like a very ferris bueller like running home to beat the parents montage thing it's but not done as well as it should be so she sneaks out and she's like her outfit is insane yes it's like gothic lolita baby doll in the 80s (laughs) yeah it's really quite goofy but she realizes they're leaving, and she runs out to say goodbye. And so she sh- says goodbye to Damon Wayans, and then she turns to Jeff or uh, Jim Carrey, and she's like, "I'll miss you least of all." I with all loved sincerity. that joke. I was like, "Come yeah. on, Wizard of Oz throwback." Yeah, yeah. Um, so Ted comes out and is like, "What's happening?" And she's like, "They're aliens." Oops. And Jeff Goldblum can now throw the love touch. He doesn't have to touch people. He can just like shoot it out of his hands like a gun. Sure. And he. He love touches them and they start kissing and then she suddenly like bursts up and she's like, wait, no, I don't love him. I need you, Jeff Goldblum. I need you. And uh, so he maneuvers the spaceship down to pick her up and then Candy comes in and I was like, oh, good. Candy's coming too. It's just going to be like the five of them having like a party, like yeah. a space RV. And then they leave her behind. Yeah, they don't take Candy. She I was tries so to mad. Throw a- she tries to throw a margarita and it hits Michael McKeon, who's drunk on Gina Davis's front lawn for some reason. Unexplained. Or backyard, rather. And he, like, watches the spaceship and is like, whoa, tubular. But, yeah, it's really weird that they leave the friend behind. Like, she's totally on board to want to go with. And to bone Jim Carrey. Yeah. I think he was like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> um, bye. <laughs> So Gina Davis leaves Earth and happily ever after, I guess. I don't know. There's not a lot to go off of. We can assume. They they the two of them have known each other for like 50 hours. I it always annoys me when stuff like that happens. I'm like you don't you don't like I've literally never bonded with anyone in any sense that quickly. But like it's also so easy to fix this. Like you just make the stuff where they're learning about Earth a week or two montage. Like it's not it's not a complicated thing. It's a movie. You just put the fast forward into it. Yeah, it should have been she kicks him out. He goes off on he was like, "Fine." She's like, "Go on your retreat or whatever. Like go on a doctor's retreat." He's gone for a whole week, which gives her the house with the aliens alone, which gives you the time. Just like write it in, guys. Yep. Yeah, it would be it would be easy to fix this. Uh, what are your final thoughts? I don't even know. It's like weird, but it's, I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, if you have HBO, it's currently on HBO go at the time of recording October 16th. Um, it's worth a free look. It's only an hour 40. It's not that bad. It's actually under that. Cause it has a pretty long credit sequence on both ends. It's close to like an hour and a half of actual movie. Um, an hour. If you can, it- if you take out musical scenes yeah if you fast forward all the musical numbers although i will say i enjoyed watching most of the musical numbers like they're not good but i enjoyed the insanity of them. my problem with them was that there weren't it's gonna sound weird so there weren't enough like Mm. it 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 felt like an afterthought like oh crap our movie's not long enough i don't know make three songs because i was like i'm with you if you're gonna make a musical movie with like full-on song and dance numbers like do full-on song and dance numbers because between right. between Gina Davis saying she wasn't going to, she was like between Gina Davis's song after her she finds out her fiance is cheating on her, and the blonde friend on the beach song. There's no song. There's no singing in between. Right. It is very strange to go that quickly in that direction. Because uh, it opens I, with I, two I songs like, in twenty minutes. 
Yeah, it does. I like the movie up until bar- the part with the car chase. Like that's where it lost me. I was yeah, really I like for, for the most part enjoying it, and then the the third act of this movie is kind of a mess where it just like everything happens in fast forward, and you're just like trying to get to the end, which you know is an apt metaphor for how we <laughs> do this show sometimes. Um, but yeah, I like Gina Davis is really good in it. It's it's a fun Jeff Goldblum. It's well performed, Jen. Like across the board, I find it very absolutely. Well performed. Yeah, it's not a mess like a lot of things we do. It just is kind of weird, and and like uh, you hit that terrible spot with the cops, which is frustrating. And then you know, obviously the the general women have no agency nonsense of this movie is not great. Although Gina Davis does get to make life decisions, however rash and crazy they might they be. just involve men, all of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not it's not as over the top silly as you would hope a movie about three aliens coming to Earth to meet babes would be. Yeah, I wanted a little more. Let's lean into the stupidness of like 50s and 60s movies like right, i wanted like right. a like a teen beach surfer movie from the 60s that had aliens in it i would have, i would be much more into that i think that's a great idea someone should make that movie now actually mm-hmm. yeah somebody out there if you're listening make make that movie gidget goes uh, out of this world yeah exactly uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate it as always. If you want to get more from us, you can visit dissectingthe80s.com. Uh, that has everything you could ever possibly want to know about the show, including a Hall of Fame, which Andrew is now two years behind on. Um, I'm hoping that if I shame him enough in public on the thing, he'll just like eventually do the thing he needs to do. But, you know, we'll see if, if that ever comes to fruition. Um, we hope Thor Ragnarok is good and that you all enjoy it. It came out the Friday before you're hearing this. So hopefully it was a big smash hit and wonderful. Uh, if you can, if you want to get in touch with us, you can call us at 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T. That's our phone line. You can email us at dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. Social media, it's uh, at dissectthe80s on Twitter and dissectingthe80s on Facebook. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We had some folks chime in recently. I always love to hear from you, what, what you're watching and listening to. We got another request to revisit the world of Magnum PI. The, uh, <laughs> the Magnum PI heads are, are a very vocal fan base, and I think that's really awesome. So thank you all for getting in touch. We're sorry we picked such a dud. Um, our next episode will be dropping on November... 20th and we are doing our annual celebration of america's sweetheart tom hanks and celebrating <laughs> thanksgiving our favorite way as t hanksgiving uh we will be tackling the tom hanks classic the money pit which is about him fixing up an old house that's busted up i'm really looking forward to it uh i'm gonna say this now if any of you guys know tom hanks and you want to put us in touch with a, do an interview? Like, please get us in. Please get us in. We're gonna use uh, up our like our like plea for a, a celebrity with Tom Hanks. I mean, that's a pretty big get. I don't know. He's not the first '80s celebrity. I'm like, like, the, I would rather like if Dolly Parton. I would rather get Dolly Parton. But Dolly Parton is a less less. I mean, I like Dolly Parton, but are Dolly you Parton about is to, are less. Are you of, about to besmirch America's sweetheart, Dolly Parton? I'm just saying, between Tom Hanks and Dolly Parton, you're really going Dolly, and I say we're really going David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> yes, it's like uh, anyway. Uh, so if anybody knows him or has an address, <laughs> or Dolly Parton, I have a, <laughs> or it's a two. Well, see, I was gonna, I was, I was getting to the end of my bit where Tom Hanks really likes typewriters. So I could write, I could type him up a letter. I'm just saying, if anybody's out there and could put us in touch, I'll, I'll type Tommy Boy a letter, and hopefully that comes to fruition. Um, but yeah, we are looking forward to that. Um, thank you again so much for listening. I have been Triplano. I've been Doctor Loomis.
and I will always be Andrew Leno. Bound, 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 bound. Until November 20th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.